1. Mark chapter 4, verse number 1. And I wish to speak to you today on the parable of the human heart. The parable of the human heart. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. If you don't have your Bible with you today, and I always encourage people to carry their Bibles to church so you can take notes or you can just check up on the preacher and make sure he's not telling you some fib, uh, why should you trust me? We care about what the Bible says, so... Carry your Bibles to church and make sure I'm being honest. If you don't have one, there is one in the pew in front of you or the chair in front of you, and we would uh, be happy for you to use that. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no roots in themselves, and so only endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Father God, I pray for your guidance and your wisdom. Fill me with your spirit. Help me today to preach what I ought to and nothing ought not. Help me today, Lord, to just... Uh, be clear and accurate and practical, and I pray that this will uh, just speak to our hearts today. I pray, Father, especially for those here today who have not made a decision for Christ. I pray they'd respond properly and uh, come to trust Christ as their Savior this very day. And all of us, may we learn from these, uh, these important truths that Jesus taught in this parable of the human heart. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I have to give a disclaimer right from the beginning here today. If you are one of the one or two people who's actually read my book on uh, the parables of Christ, then you're going to recognize this, because I've stolen an awful lot of things from that. When we preached through the parables, we actually used this, the version of this, which is in Matthew in that case, but it's pretty much going to be the same thing. If you compare Matthew and Mark, their accounts here uh, are almost identical. And so uh, the parable of the human heart. Our text for today is verse number 14 and part of 15. The sower sows the word. In their hearts. The sower sows the word in their hearts. I have a good friend 
He's a pastor in, uh, uh, of a Methodist church in central Ohio. When we were teenagers, my friend and I sat in a service. It was a revival service, and we listened. And I, I remember very clearly that the invitation was given, and I remember watching my friend race forward and trust Christ. And he's been serving the Lord ever since. That was 30-some years ago, uh, maybe more. He actively loves and serves the Savior today. I have watched others have experienced that, at least outwardly or similar. You know, they rush forward and they trust Christ. They hear the gospel and they outwardly respond. And they might even serve for a while, but today they're not even in church. So what's the difference? Why the difference? In my uh, almost 60 years of life, I've watched a lot of professing Christians grow old. I've seen some become sweeter and sweeter as they aged in Christ and their walk with Him. And I've also seen others grow crankier and meaner. The, the first seem to radiate more of Christ the longer they serve Him, and the latter seem to uh, understand less of Him to the point where He doesn't even seem to be a relevant part of their lives. Why the difference? I have seen professing Christians face tremendous trials and troubles. Some face those trials by turning to God and crying out to Him. They put their hand in His. They emerge from the other side stronger, more secure in their relationship with Christ. Others have the wind knocked out of them immediately. They can't accept a God who would allow hardship in their lives. They become disillusioned. They walk away. Some never seem to serve Him again. I remember reading of a well-known personality who claimed to be a Christian, but also claimed to be mad at God, their words, ever since the mother had died. The experience of losing this man's mother made him question his faith. Why are some knocked down by troubles while others are strengthened and confirmed in their faith? What's the difference? Well, I think this parable answers those questions. Or at least helps us to answer those questions. You see, this parable speaks of a sower, of seed, and of soil. Three different things. The sower is unnamed. He is simply somebody who is throwing seed. The seed is plainly stated to be the Word of God. We don't need to wonder what the seed is. Jesus told us what it was. told us what it was in verse number 14. The seed is the Word of God. And the soil is the human heart. We see that in verse number 15. And so I would suggest it pictures our response to the Word. And that's the main point of the whole parable, the response of a person to the Word of God sown in their heart. Everything depends on your response to the Word. There are four different types of soil that are mentioned here. And while the sower is constant in each case and the seed is constant in each case, the quality of the soil is the one thing that varies. And it's the determining factor in the outcome. Same sower, same seed. Different soils. If the outcome was dependent upon the sower, well, then the result would be the same in each case, wouldn't it? Because the sower is the same. If the outcome depended upon the seed, well, then the result would be the same in each case because the seed, the Word of God, is a constant. But the outcome depended upon the soil. And that varied in each case and therefore produced differing results. So as we'll see as we progress through this parable, the key to it all is that everything depends on our response to the Word of God. So let's look at those four different types of soil that are mentioned here. Four types of soil or four types of the human heart. Four types of responses to the Word. Jesus described them. Number one, He described the hard heart. 
the hard heart. Verse number four, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Verse 15, these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. The wayside, the hard heart. The wayside is that hard packed earth where the sower is walking as he is probably by the broadcast method flinging seed. And so as much seed lands on the wayside as does in the other soil around him. But it doesn't grow there because the ground is hard packed and smashed down from his walking on it so much. And Jesus said this illustrates the closed heart. It illustrates the closed mind. I like the way Alistair Begg describes this parable. If you've ever listened to his sermons on this particular parable or the one in Matthew, you'll hear that he always uses this particular phrase. He says that in this case, the seed gets on, but it doesn't get in. And I like that. I like that. I'll give him credit for that one. That's a good one. You see, this person definitely hears the message. We know that from verse 15, but there's no result. The heart is hard. The mind is closed. The Pharisees were an example of this in the New Testament, weren't they? They certainly heard the word spoken by Jesus. It could be argued that the Pharisees heard the gospel as much as any of the disciples did. They were always hanging around. They heard the truth. They heard the words, and yet their hearts were hard and their minds were closed to the truth of those words. Sometimes we need to break up some soil. Sometimes we need to break up some soil. And as believers, we dare not let our hearts become so hard they no longer respond to the word of God. If we sense that in our lives... We need to break up the soil. And as witnesses for Christ, soul winners, we're often going to come across hard hearts which need to be broken up before they can even respond to the Word of God. The soil might have produced fruit if it had first been broken up. Now, you know what? You don't break up soil with warm and fuzzy methods. I don't know if you've noticed that. You need hard steel. You need something sharp, something pointy. You take mattocks. And you beat on it. That's how you break up hard steel or hard soil. You take picks and shovels and hoes and you violently tear it up. Sometimes we need to do that. Whether in our life or in someone we're trying to reach for Christ. I one time participated in a hospital visit and I know I've shared this story before. This was John Cornett. Now I think when I used to tell this story I wouldn't give his name. But now that you've all met him I'll tell this story on him. Uh, When I was first serving with John Cornett who most of you have met, uh, we went on a hospital visit together. And we went into this one particular hospital room, and as I was going into him with him, uh, I had just met him. I didn't really even know John at the time. I had no idea what to think of him yet. And uh, he pointed out to me that he'd been to visit this guy many times, and he was, in his words, a flaming heathen and had nothing, no interest whatsoever in the things of Christ, had uh, you know, mocked and ridiculed and everything else continuously, but this man's son went to our church, and so his son had asked him to go, and so we go. Uh, so we get into the hospital room, and this man is lying there, and it, it, this is a serious time. He, he was dying, literally. He was at the end of his life and dying. And John talked to him for a few minutes about, you know, various things, sports and weather. And then he said to him, uh, you know, would you care if I shared with you the gospel just one more time? I know I've told you before, but could I just share the gospel with you one more time? And the man looked at him and says, well, if you want to waste your time, go right ahead. And John looked at him to my dismay and said, I don't. And he turned and walked out of the room. And I was standing there. I didn't know what to do. And you know, at first I was, I was dismayed. I thought, what kind of a guy have I landed myself with here? He's going to treat people like this in the hospital call. 
But you know what? We heard later on that of all the times he had ever talked to that man about the Lord, that was the one time the guy actually stopped and thought about it a little bit. I don't know if he ever got saved, but that uh, matic blow seemed to perhaps help a little bit. You know, I get tired of people saying that we ought never lay a guilt trip on anybody or scare people into heaven. I wonder what Bible they're reading when they say that, frankly. Jesus didn't hesitate to use those methods. I don't see that at all when he was trying to break up hard hearts. It's Satan who wants to limit our methods by telling us to always be warm and fuzzy with people. They're not going to get to the closed-minded that way. You know what Jesus preached to the Pharisees? He preached hell to the Pharisees. He called them, woe unto you hypocrites. He preached uh, hard things. He preached out their, or pointed out their hypocrisy on more than one occasion. Was he just laying a meaningless guilt trip on them? Or was he trying to break up hard hearts? We used to have a door-to-door visitation program here. We called it RODAT, reaching Randolph one door at a time. We haven't done that in a while because of lack of participation, and we just, we just haven't done it. But when we were doing it, some very interesting things come out of it. And actually, some people are here as part of this church. I don't know if anybody's here today, but uh, we've had some folks who have come and continue to come as a result of having their door knocked on as, as a part of that. Well, I remember one particular time I was, I was uh, knocking on doors right up, right up the road up here. And as I approached a particular door, there was a sign on the door that said, Whatever you're selling, we don't want it. So I stood there and I looked at that sign and I thought, Hard heart. And I turned and walked to the next door. And, you know, I, I agonized over that for days after that. I thought, well, you should have at least tried. You should have at least tried to break up that hard heart. And I still think about it a little bit. You know, Jude said, if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. The hard heart it doesn't respond to the Word of God. It's closed off. It's pecked down. It's resistant. Jesus spoke of another heart here. He spoke of the emotional heart. Look at verse number 4 again. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Verse 16, these likewise are the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. The emotional heart, stony ground. If you were to go to Israel today, one of the things that you would notice the very second you stepped off of the plane, or the very second that you stepped off of the tour bus, is that there are rocks everywhere. Would you say that's true? There are rocks everywhere. It's one of the stoniest, rockiest places you will ever see on the face of this earth. As a matter of fact, on one of my trips to the Holy Land, uh, the tour guide shared a fable of how when God was creating the world, he was going around and placing the rocks every place he wanted them. But as he got over top of Israel, the bag of rocks broke and they all fell out all over Israel. And you can see how such a fable would spring up when you're standing there looking at this unbelievably rocky land. Matter of fact, there is so much rock in Israel that in some places, Jerusalem is one such place where it is actually the law where if you're going to build a new structure, it must be built out of rock. It cannot be built out of anything else. And so in such a land, you can see how it would be easy for a farmer to sow seed and have some land on just a little thin veneer of soil that was over top of a rocky area. That kind of soil might be warm, it might be moist, and it might allow for quick germination of the seed, but because the roots have nowhere to go, the plant can't survive. Jesus said that's the 
emotional heart. This is the heart where Alistair Begg would say the seed gets on and gets in but doesn't get down. This person hears the word just like everybody else. This person receives the same seed as everybody else. And this person, at first, joyfully appears to receive it and show interest in it. But when the slightest issue arises, the counterfeit nature of their belief is seen. And the counterfeit nature of their Christian experience becomes known. Here's how one pastor put it. I read this in a different sermon. He said this. He said, this represents those who positively and joyfully respond to our Lord's teaching, but only due to an inadequate grasp of its implications. These folks respond positively to the word because they think that it's a kind of prosperity gospel, a gospel which promises only good times, blessing, happiness, and bliss. The quickness of the response is an indication of their lack of depth or their lack of perception as to what the gospel really means. And let me quickly add, this is not due to our Lord's misrepresentation of the gospel. It's the result of selective hearing, of hearing only the good and pleasant things, rather than hearing of the costs involved in discipleship, of which our Lord often spoke. The emotional heart. And, you know, we could look around. We could look around in our little congregation here this morning, and we could look and we could see where there are places where people used to sit, and they're not there anymore. I used to, when I would, when I would say things like this, I would say, look around at the empty seats, but we don't have as many of those anymore, so I can't say that as much. But you can look at places where there's somebody sitting, that there used to be somebody else sitting there. And oftentimes these were people who joyously responded to the gospel, who outwardly received it, who received it, who seemed in every way to be genuine believers, but their seats are empty now. And we ask, where are they? And oftentimes it's because their belief was counterfeit. They were emotional, emotional soil. The seed got in, it didn't get down. It was thin skinned, it was shallow. I'm always leery about those who are wildly emotional in their religion. Sometimes it's genuine, it's wonderful when that's the case, but sometimes it's just an outward show and it quickly disappears when something comes up. Something that requires genuine faith, rooted faith, deep faith. I wonder, I wonder if there's anybody in this room here this morning who'd be like that. Is your belief only strong when things are going well? Does the slightest temptation or hurt or bump in the road throw you off? Are you one who, if, as long as Christianity brings happiness, you're on board, but if it brings pain and suffering and trials, you jump ship? When the blazing sunlight of this world's problems beats down upon the tender sapling that is your Christian walk, do your roots go deep into Christ and His Word? Or do you shrivel up? Timothy Keller is the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, and he points out a common behavior seen in the emotional heart. He says, many Christians are very much a part of their local church. They have found a church that they love, and they jump in with both feet. But then they move away for some reason, and they never find the same kind of people, the same excellent preacher, the same great music, and so they fall away. Where once they were so much a part, now they're not even attending. Why? Keller goes on to say it's because the relationship with Christ was not really personal with them. They'd never really gotten it. The seed got in, but it did not get down. And see, that's what's missing from the emotional heart. That, that depth is what's missing. This person gets a glimpse of what Christ offers and immediately thinks it looks great, but it never gets to the heart. And their eventual falling away only illustrates that. Jesus mentions a third heart. In verse number 7, he speaks of the choked heart, the choked heart. Verse 7, and some seed fell among thorns, 
and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Now these are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. That last part was verses 18 and 19. And anyone with a garden understands the imagery here, right? Either you get rid of the weeds or the weeds will choke out your garden. This is easy for us to understand. And the weeds that choke the seed in this parable, he mentions very specifically in verse 19, are the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. In this case, Alistair would say that the seed got on and it got in and it got down, but it didn't get up. Like the emotional heart, the choked heart initially looks like it's doing well. It looks real, but it conks out before bearing any fruit. Think of the things he said it is choked by. It's choked by the cares of this world. The cares of this world. How many people don't come to Christ because they're too busy with the million little things that make up this earthly existence? Herbert Lockyer in his book, All the Parables of the Bible, said a score of interests, legitimate in their place, are allowed to dominate one's life with religion just another department of the already highly departmental life. Choked by the cares of this world. It's also choked by the deceitfulness of riches. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and verse 24, How hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It's not impossible. He didn't say it was impossible. Money is not wrong in and of itself. He said, trust those who trust in riches. And James clarifies it for us. Uh, when James said that, uh, uh, where I lost my place here. Oh, James clarifies for us when he says it is the love of money that is the problem and the trust in riches. Think how deceitful riches are. They make you think you're okay when you're not. They choke out the truth and keep you from seeing your need for Christ. And in the end, they avail nothing of eternal worth. One man remarked to another as they were watching a funeral one time, his fellow procession was going by. The guy elbowed his friend and he said, well, how much do you think he left behind? And his friend said, well... All of it. He left it all behind. Jesus told the story of the rich fool, but God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? For some people, the word is choked by the deceitfulness of riches. And then he goes on and he says, some, For some people it's choked by the lust of other things. Or as others might translate that, the pleasures of this life. Enjoyments innocent in themselves in which worldly prosperity enables one to indulge, smother the seed. So much time is taken up for pleasure that only the dregs remain for spiritual things. So many of the pleasures of life, things that are wonderful, things that are good, he has given us all things richly to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with them until they choke out the seed. And then they become sin. And then they become idols. And then they become horrors. This is one of the sadder aspects, I believe, of ministry. And if you've served in any way trying to, to, to witness to people and bring people to Christ, uh, you'll come to see that there's so many people who need the Savior, maybe even know they need the Savior, but are choked by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things so that they will not come to the Savior. Choked heart is common. Well, he mentions one other. Verse number 8, the understanding heart. The understanding heart. Other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirty-fold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Verse 20, these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirty-fold, some sixty, and some a hundred. 
Now, I know if you study this, if you have a study Bible or, or look in commentaries or, or anything and try to study this a little bit, you're going to see that there are varying, varying opinions as to which of these four soils represent a saved person. Personally, I believe only this one represents a saved person. Some people would say the emotional heart and the choked heart might be saved people who have just fallen away. Uh, I don't think that's the case, but some might say that. But even if you did accept that, they certainly cannot be described as a desired state, can they? Only this fourth category. Only this one. The good soil, the understanding heart, describes the desired state. Christ wants, Christ wants us not only to trust him, but to trust him deeply in spite of whatever comes our way. To trust him first and not be choked by the things of this world. To be fruitful and productive and growing Christians. That's the desired state. This fourth category, the understanding heart. You see, this person hears the word. So did the first. But his heart was hard and close to it. So did the second. But after an initial emotional response, he turned away from it. And so did the third, but it was choked out of him. This person hears the word. This person also understood the word. That means he put it together. He got it. He comprehended it, what it means. And then this person bears fruit. And I think this is the key. This is the key. This is the thing that tells us this is the one of the four that was really saved. You see, the Bible teaches all Christians bear fruit. If you're a Christian, you will bear fruit. If you don't bear fruit, it's evidence that you're not a Christian. Where do you get that, preacher? John chapter 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. This parable seems to indicate that we'll all be fruitful. All Christians will be fruitful. There may be varying degrees of fruitfulness, different levels of fruitfulness, but all are fruitful. And so now our brother Alistair would sum it all up and he would say that in this case the seed got on and it got in and it got down and it got up and now it gets out. And that's the picture of the true believer. That's the good soil, the understanding heart. And so in all of these cases, everything depends on your response to the Word of God. And Jesus punctuated all this, the importance of this parable, with these words in verse number 9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know how we would say that if we were to put that into our modern vernacular? We would say, listen up. That's what he's saying. This is important. And he's saying it to you today. Listen up. I wonder this morning, are you hard-hearted? Closed-minded, unwilling to let the Word of God in. Are you that wayside hearer? Are you that hard heart? Are you easily disillusioned when things don't go right, when it's not all roses and, and warm and fuzzy and sunshine, when troubles come your way? Are you that stony hearer? Are you that emotional heart? Are you like so many, probably more in America today or this one than any, so many pulled in every direction by a multitude of distractions. You have no time for God, frankly, because of all the other things in life that take up your time. Do the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches or the lust of other things choke out the word? Oh, we need to hear the parable of the sower this morning, don't we? We need to hear the parable of the human heart. Everything depends on your response to the word of God. If you would finish strong for Christ, you need that understanding heart. You need to hear God's Word. You need to understand God's Word. You need to let it go deep into the soil of your heart. You need to let it bear fruit. And I pray that everyone in this room would respond to His Word with just such a heart. So there's the question this morning. 
what is the condition of your heart. Well, let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for your word. And Father, we know that this is your word. These words were spoken directly by Jesus Christ, and we accept clearly that they are the word of God, and we're so thankful. And we pray, Lord, that we'd hear them. Lord, as you said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, may we hear. May we listen. May we respond. Lord, I pray for each person in this room that if there's even one here who is in any of those categories other than that fourth, that they will turn their heart to you today and respond to the word properly and trust Christ as their Savior and be saved. If there's any here today who are struggling uh, and, and seeing even little pieces of any of those things in their life, uh, maybe they've become closed-minded about some things. Maybe they've, uh, they've allowed uh, the hurts and the trials and the difficulties of this, of this world to draw them away, even though they are saved. Maybe they are allowing themselves to be choked by the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things. And maybe even though they might be saved, those, some of those things they see rearing their ugly heads. And Lord, I pray that if that's the case, uh, you just help us all, Lord, to see that rooted out and turn our hearts and lives over to you. Some today need to trust Christ. I pray that they would. Some today might need to rededicate their life to you and say, I've fallen into some of these areas and I want to get it right. And they need to just come and say, Lord, I, I, I want that... Uh, I want that final, that last heart, that understanding heart. Some might need to do that. And Lord, there may be some here today who have other needs or just uh, concerns on their hearts or lives. Maybe there's some here who need to come and pray for loved ones, uh, that uh, they see them in some of these categories. Father, whatever our needs might be, would you help us to respond properly to your word now as we sing and as we wrap up our service. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.